You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. Should I just blow this out right now? I should just like crank all the levels up <laughs> and just record all this entire thing like in the red. <laughs> <laughs> like in the entire thing. Over so it the whole time. Yeah. It's nice digital clipping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that'd be amazing. All right. For this episode, we'll be do- talking about Iggy and the Stooges, Raw Power. In the room, I have Rob. Hello. Ben. Sup. Solange. Hey. And John. Hi. Raw Power is the third studio album by the American rock band The Stooges, as credited as Iggy and the Stooges. Released on February 7th, 1973 by Columbia Records, the producer was Iggy Pop and David Bowie, and the genre is proto-punk, hard rock, and punk rock. And I'll read from All Music Review, Mark Deming. In 1972, The Stooges were near the point of collapse when David Bowie's management team, Main Man, took a chance on the band and Bowie's at Bowie's behest. By this point, guitarist Ron Ashton and bassist David Alexander had been edged out of the picture, and James Williamson had signed on as Iggy's new guitar mangler. Ashton rejoined the band shortly before recording uh, Raw Power, but was forced to play second fiddle to Williamson as bassist. By most accounts, tensions were high during the recording, but instead of the album sounding like a work of a band on its last legs, Iggy... And the Stooges sounded ready to explode like an ammunition dump. Raw Power revealed Iggy as a howling, smirking, lunatic genius. He had never sounded quite so focused as he did here. And his lyrics displayed an intensity that was more than a bit disquieting. The only thing Raw Power seems to have in common with the previous two Stooges albums was its primal sound... But while the Stooges once sounded like the wildest and weirdest gang in town, Raw Power found them heavily armed and ready to destroy the world. That is, if they didn't destroy themselves first. After its release, Iggy was known to complain that David Bowie's mix neutered the ferocity of the original recordings so that in 1997, when Columbia made plans to issue a new edition of Raw Power, they brought in Pop to remix the original tapes and at least in theory give us the, quote, real version we've all been denied all these years (laughs) then the world heard pop's painfully harsh and distorted version of raw power and suddenly bowie's tamer but more dynamic sounding mix didn't sound so bad after all in 2010 the saga came full circle when columbia released a two disc uh, legacy edition of the album that featured bowie's original mix in remastered form all right what do we think of Raw Power? Oh, stinks. Very. <laughs> Ew. This album. What is this? P.U. and my. It stinks. I don't think that. I don't it think is, that. 
It is fantastic. This is such a a, amazing album. So good. So good. One of the most intense albums ever put to to vinyl, Mm -hmm. I would say. Mm -hmm. I mean, and 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 punk. And not just intense in sonic quality, but content. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Like lyricism. It's put together across the board solidly. I mean, it's easy to say that it's the loudest album or the most distorted album but there's a lot more going on behind that, too. Yeah, when you have mm-hmm. your first lyric as, I'm a street-walking cheetah with a heart full of napalm. Such a great yeah, way yeah. to start an album. What What else are you going to say? I have, You have no idea what is going to happen in this album. Mm. Yeah. To quote Nick Kent, um, the uh, writer of musical criticism, uh, <laughs> still the greatest, meanest, Meanest-eyed, coldest-blooded hard rock tour to force ever summoned up in a recording studio. Like, a, yeah. Yeah. That was him in the 2000s talking about the 70s. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It I agree. doesn't get any fucking rougher than this record. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. so goddamn good. I, this is the first time I've listened to... I used to be a big punk fan. This is the first time I've listened to punk in a like, couple years. Um, and so I was really excited because it's very raw in a lot of ways and the lyrics are like super intense it's it's powerful very is there power behind the lyrics (laughs) yeah i would would say there's definitely there's definitely (laughs) some some raw power here i would say that's oh my god the name of the album yeah i would say it's just it's (laughs) fuck you guys um (laughs) it's (laughs) no i i i really liked it it was it was definitely um I've never really been a big Iggy Pop fan. I, like, listened to Lust for Life in high school. And I always kind of, like, relegated... Like, I like Iggy Pop's acting. Like, I brought up earlier, I think he's great in Deep Space Nine. I think think he's great in Pete and Pete. He's... Crybaby. He's a a great actor. Oh, yeah. But I kind of, like, always relegated him and, like... You guys are going to be so offended when I say this. Like, I've always relegated, like, him and the New York Dolls and the Ramones to, like, that Anthony Bourdain kind of person who's like, yeah, I'm still cool. Uh, I'm a millionaire, but I'm still fucking cool because I, like, listen to this. And I'm like, I'm not interested in that. So when I actually, like, got to listen to the Stooges and, like, think about how, like, process it, I was really surprised at how much I liked it, you know? I gave it a value judgment that was not accurate. Yeah. It's... This is Iggy at his, like, height. Oh, and, yeah. Like, unfortunately, like, really depraved, like, just fucking Is this the out peanut butter mind. tour? Uh, no, or that was earlier. I mean, he's, he was doing that. That's when my mom day went one. to go see him. Yeah, day yeah. one. Well, maybe yeah. day, day two after he saw The Doors. Yeah. Yeah. My That's mom true. was at yeah. that yeah. concert, and I think she said that my sister might have been there, too, but that doesn't sound right, because she would have been, like, super, super young. Uh, but she said that... Despite the fact that she was like quite far away from Iggy in the, this was at the Bengals Stadium in Cincy, uh, and she said that like they had to like kind of scramble everywhere because the cops were just beating the shit out of people, like just coming up to them and beating them because they could. But despite all of that, uh, when he did the peanut butter, she said the whole fucking place like you could smell it. So what was he doing with the peanut butter? Oh. Would, do you really like not know? Go on. Uh, you tell. He Dish. comes out like on stage and 
she like didn't tell me the rest of like what happened at the concert, only like that the people are getting the shit beat out of them. But at some point, Iggy comes out on stage and he's singing, and she was just like, like it was so gross. She's like, it's love at first sight. Like the way she's describing him, she's like, yeah, he was like rippling and like like writhing, and I'm like, I don't want to stop it, please stop. And she's like, and then he took out this peanut butter. I'm like, stop. And she goes, he rubbed it all over his body, and he jumped in the crowd, and you could smell it, and and I. I wanted to touch it and I was like stop do not go on further but she uh she said it was like the most incredible thing she'd ever seen um up until that point and she's like an old she's like an old hippie but you know she grew up here in Louisville and not many you know the Jefferson Airplane didn't come here until the 80s so getting to go up to Cincy and seeing something like that was just like mind-blowing for her it was just like that's it like I can't fucking go back to real life if this is what people are going to be like from now on. He still brings it, though. Yeah. I mean, Even now, yeah. I saw him, like, six years ago. Yeah. I saw, well, not, I saw yeah. the Stooges. Yeah. It was billed as the Stooges. Yeah. It was surviving Stooges and, and Iggy. Iggy is probably, when I saw him, probably, like, 70. What? And he was not acting like a 70-year-old. Like, well, first of all, like, he wasn't wearing a shirt. He looks like he's made out of baseball mitts stitched yep. together. <laughs> yep. Sad torso. But... He like he would do like he would like be holding the mic stand and he would like leap as high as he could into the air and land on his knees oh like, my God. in like a power move like with like the mic. I'm like, oh no, Iggy, don't! Like, you're, gonna, <laughs> you're gonna break all of your bones. <laughs> How big around is he now? Like, still like? Oh, he's tiny. Like, he, he's he's slight. Oh, he's well, you know he's he's a thin dude. He has no meat on him. Yeah. Like, he had, he took one of those mic stands with like a probably 15, 20 pound weighted bottom. And it was a big stage. It was a festival stage. Uh, and he he took the microphone stand, he took the mic off it, and he just threw the stand side stage. I never saw a thing land. It, it, it probably went like 30 feet. Damn. Yeah. He's He was killing it. I love it. It was so That's cool. Awesome. He's a wild man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he gets on that stage, and it it's like a switch like that just like flips, and it's like... Which Boom. is, it's so crazy when you see him in something like Deep Space Nine, where he's like, I'm sorry to be such it a is crazy fucking nerd him in, <laughs> to bring him up Deep Whoopi. Space Nine again. But, like, it's like hearing stories like that and, like, the peanut butter story and just, like, how, like, basically... Like, like, just, just un- rolling around in glass. Yeah, like, unleashed. And then he gets on something like Deep Space Nine and he's like, that's great financial advice, Moogie. I hope I don't have to kill you later. Um, it's just, like, I love that du- I just love that duel. I mean, we talked last time about Vince Fernier, Alice Cooper, and, like, divorcing the art from the artist, not looking at the man, looking at the music and the music at hand. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so... But I think that's so interesting when you hear something like Iggy Pop throwing... Mike stands and he's seven years old. Have you looked at the man on Instagram? Because no. it's wonderful. Oh, like, yeah? he, he, he has like, a, or, is medias? it a parakeet? B- Biggie Pop. Oh, you're talking about Biggie, Biggie Pop, Pop and Biggie Pop. Yeah. yeah. Is Biggie Pop a bird? Yes, Biggie oh, Pop yeah. is a sulfur crested so. cockatoo. God, and they are best friends and they live together guy. in Miami I'm, and they hand out I'm, candy to children. Oh yes. my God! Every night,
love this song, by the way. Um, um, penetration. Penetration. It's almost like, I wrote down, like, almost 60s pop-ish with the, like, doorbell thing. It's but, got the uh, but, Celeste. But evil. Is, oh, is it like, Celeste a, oh. a, like a, it's a, a bell on... What you is play it, you play it like a like a keyboard, but but yeah, it's got that belly mm. chimey sound yeah. to it. So they put it way up in 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 this mix for sure. This yeah. is the pop mix. But I know. like that. I like the I'm gonna oh, call yeah. it the doorbell thing because I don't know shit about music. But it's like it's like I like I wrote down almost sixties pop, but make it evil. Well, yeah, yeah. On his, his it's del- a velvet underground. Oh yeah, I uh, I wrote that down too. Of, of putting those mm-hmm. little intricate elements, classical elements, yeah. and then yeah, transposing them into a, an aggressive. It's like having that real melodic mm. over a, a aggressive style. Yeah, like so I cool. even wrote down for Gimme Danger, like he reminds me of the Velvet Underground in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Uh, but I mean, and I don't mean that in like a pejorative way. Like I think Venus and Furs is such a cool song, but he reminds me a lot of that, but like so different in a cool way. God, this album's so good. Yeah. So what yeah. the hell happened with the mix? Yes. Like, okay. let's talk. Uh, what, let's talk. Well, what yeah. I yeah. what I read was that Iggy was in the studio himself. I can just like in my brain, I'm seeing like tape spooling off of things, <laughs> like fire somewhere, and he comes out with like this thing that he mixed down, and it's just like three tracks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's exactly it, what it, it was. The yep. story is apparently. Yeah, it, it was the the the. <laughs> vocals on one track and that was in one channel uh the lead guitar in another track and that was in another channel and then just everything else was a third track and that was in like the same channel as the lead guitar <laughs> and even even that stuff so it, it's he's got everything on one track and that stuff was not like the engineering of it it was not recorded that well from from the get go so Main man is like, okay, we're calling David Bowie, and David Bowie and you are going to make this into something that we can at least sell. And so Bowie and Iggy were sitting in, in the in the booth, and they were doing what they could with what they had. And I think that what I, I I've had this album for probably about twenty years, and I've only known the Bowie version. Up until I was listening to the Iggy version this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I accidentally listened to the Iggy version mm-hmm. on Spotify, because that's how I listen to all of these, is I listen to them on Spotify. Mm-hmm. And something I wanted to bring up is, like, I, I only listen to Lust for Life, which um, is a good album, but that listening to the Iggy mix, I was like, wow, this... And not realizing that there's, like, the whole thing mm-hmm. between the two mixes, I was like, wow, this album's, like, a lot grittier. I really like that. And, like, then listening to the Bowie mix just now, I'm like, ugh, I don't care for that because I, I think I don't the, the it just so, sounds overproduced to we me. We listen to the song Search and Destroy of the Bowie mix. I think that of all the songs in the album, I think Search and Destroy suffers the most on the Bowie mix. I think raw power is also a bit lacking. Well when uh, you take it perspective on it and you say, okay, I've got three tracks, vocals, guitar and drum and basically everything else, drums and everything else. And all Bowie had to work with was taking in and out the levels on those three tracks. Yeah. You understand what he did. Like, okay, yeah. I get it. This is why you ranged yeah. it this he was, way. He was doing that, but he wasn't doing only that. <clears throat> there were, he was editing out parts that he thought were making parts too muddy. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. cause Iggy's got a lot of grunts and groans. Bowie was leaving in the ones that he thought were, 
were elevating the song. He was taking out the ones that he thought were superfluous. Same thing for with uh, uh, some of just like the guitar noise and the guitar distortion. He was kind of he was kind of curating it a bit. And Bowie's mix, though very much not ideal. Like I think that Bowie's mix sounds very thin. You know, uh, it doesn't have much. It's traditional. But it also it's very it it's as dynamic as it can be. Yeah. And I think that the the Bowie mix sounds a bit more like you traditionally hear early punk mixed. Yes. I think like people, because this is, this is like the first punk album, depending on who you talk to. And I think that the, like the, the serendipitous mixing of this album kind of influenced the way punk sounds, just kind of thin but sharp as a razor. Yeah. And I was listening to Iggy's mix this week, and it's definitely a lot ballsier. You know, it's way in the red. It sounds thick. The, uh, the but the instruments that are sounding thick are still poorly recorded. You know, like it, it, it. You still have that from the get go. It was not recorded right or well. And then it's got that digital clipping, which it doesn't really bother me. But I just think if I listen to like one or two songs, like if I listen to Search and Destroy, the Iggy mix, I'm like, yeah, that's rock and roll. But a full, a full album of that, with like, it's lacking the dynamic for me that I'm accustomed to with the yeah. Bowie mix. Who, who, who thinks pop? And is there anybody who thinks Bowie over pop? I think it's. I think Bowie over pop. I think it's a choice. Like I think uh, yeah. if you're, if you already know the song or you're comfortable with the song, and you like later, harder, fully distorted punk, you like the Iggy mix. Yeah. And that's how I feel about it. Like, I like mm-hmm. my shit all fucked up. Yeah. So. Yeah. Very much like uh, when I was listening to it, it's like how the angry Samoans, if you guys listen to them, oh, they yeah. used to get, they used to get kind of like fucked up and you listen to a song, you're like, whoa, did you record this in your bathroom, my dude? Yeah. And that's what I liked about it is um, it was very much, it's, I, I hit hesitate to use the, the term work in progress. I don't want it to sound like that. It just sounded very like brash. You know, like baby's first recording. Like I did it. Look what I did. I think I I think the digital clipping does annoy me. It, it, it really does. Too much. Yeah. Well, it becomes something that I that distracts from the actual music, hmm. and so that's that's hard to to get behind because with the Bowie album, I can just turn it up. Yeah. Just turn yeah. my stereo way up, and I do. I've only ever listened to the Bowie version very loud. Yeah. That might be and the technique. Fine. That yeah. might be the thing to do. That's yeah. that, And I think that's that's what it, it... It's like the idea of of mastering versus someone just turning up the stereo knob and distorting it themselves or, or doing something different. Uh, there is... I guess I didn't it, it's, it. It's hard to to wrap your head around because yeah, it would be a, I wish it could kind of split the difference Me too. of, of having that. And I've heard with the record store day release 2012, they remastered both of them. They remastered and they did not do digital clipping for Iggy pops mix. Mm-hmm. So I think that is probably the one if someone was seeking it out to get, and I actually looked at it this week since we were doing the research and it's like $25 for both albums. That's not and it's, bad at all. No, for a double but when you album, listen to both of them, or do you listen to them each once, pick your favorite, and then never listen to the other one again? No, I think it's a it's a nice compendium. Yeah, like you choose your choose what choose your warrior choose, choose your what, own what you will. If, if you're listening to music quietly, 
you pick the Iggy Pop mix. If you're gonna planning on turning your stereo loud anyway, you yeah. pick the bubbly mix. But there are a couple different dynamics in like penetration where that that Celeste is a little bit higher, or Iggy's uh, in Iggy's mix, his vocals are are higher up on on yeah. some songs, so it's yeah. not quite the same as just saying, well, it's louder. It has more like a full, you know, it, more dynamic or something like that. There are different choices that that were made. You even lose content sometimes. Like you'll, you'll lose an Iggy count off or you'll lose an Iggy grunt in the Bowie mix. Yeah. I wish this album had just been recorded better from day one. I don't know. I think I kind of like the, the idea of uh, sort of like exile on main street where it it has this sort of just like looseness, like bizarre overflow of these instruments together. And it's recorded poorly, but it has that, like, it's so gravelly and and distorted and I will weird. say also oh, got some dirt on it. Oh, yeah. Although <laughs> although I was young when I first got this record, I never noticed anything wrong with it until someone a few years later told me, "Yeah, but have you heard the Iggy Pop mix?" Yeah. Like, oh, which one's that? I'm like, I don't know. On the back it says Bowie. Oh, well, Iggy Pop mix. I I, I di- didn't I, I you know, I wasn't looking at it with a microphone glass. I was turning it up and drinking a beer. I think they're both very valid mixes. Yeah. That's the thing is like I And they both maintain the same thing. Like, yeah. I think I think he was right though to say it 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 felt a bit neutered because when you put it on a stereo and it, unless you do crank it all the way, you're you're not going to get the intensity that the band had live. Right. Like here being in the room with loud amps does not come across when you when you hear that mix. At a, at a like normal volume. Yeah. So. Dance to the beat of the living dead. Lucy, baby, stay away from bed. Rob Powell's shoulder come around to Yeah, they even had a technique on, I think, two of the songs that actually made the drums in one song and the, the guitars in another sound weird or lumpy. Talking about the echo box? The time cube. Time cube. The time cube. Apparently it looked like a bong. Yeah, Yeah, so you point your bong at the signal for... Yeah, you've got a, you know, uh, a speaker on one end of it with your signal coming out and a microphone on the other end. I'm sure it works like some kind of echo chamber. Yeah. But apparently it looked like a bong and it made it sound cool. Yeah, on Gimme Danger and Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, especially on Gimme Danger, the drums are put through the time cube and it does make them sound like like, I don't know, uh, non-resonant, like sounds solid, like you're hitting a, a piece of wood or a Yeah, log. yeah, it sounds like a thick. Thick. I, I did think that Tim Siegel, Tim Siegel from Austin Chronicle, he said about the original mix, it was so muted that it sounded like Vietnam being fought inside a Kleenex box. Oh my God. If you don't crank it, he's right. I think he's right. Yeah. I, I want to hear it cranked like... We're going to go after this episode and put the yeah. vinyl on upstairs, and I want to hear it cracked. Yeah. But, we can um, do that. Yeah. 
So uh, uh, they they were signed to uh, Main Man. Which... No, that was the company, but it went through Columbia was the label. Okay. Main so Man they, is they weren't the, signed from Main Man. Main Man is the uh, management team from Bowie. I know they were dropped from Main Man. Yeah, they they, they were. <laughs> they spent their entire well, right. Rob is pointing his finger at the album that Ben owns, Col- showing the Columbia. Columbia logo. I know that this like I, this one's probably a '90s pressing, you know, uh, and it's on Columbia. Uh, yeah, seventy-three. Seventy-three. I think you have an original, my dude. I don't know if I do. I bought I that when I was in college. Tell. No. Let's say it inside. Probably not. It just says nineteen seventy-three. Uh, so main man, I, I forget like the dude's name, Tony shot. something, uh, but he was. Uh, Responsible for the 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 the, like the, the careers of a few stuff. different people, including uh, uh, he helped Bowie and also uh, Mellencamp's first album was a, a Main Man production. Yeah, uh, John Cougar, that guy. Johannes well, that, it was Cougar. the Johnny Cougar, uh, oh. Johnny Cougar and Tiger Force oh. album from from London or whatever. Oh, that makes no, sense. Main Man. Well, but wasn't Johnny Cougar in London or something at the time? Well, he would have to be if he was working with uh, Main Man. Right. But uh, yes, he he quickly dropped uh, Iggy and the Stooges after uh, he gave them a record advance, and they just blew the whole thing on drugs. Love yep. it. Yeah, I for one that's rock and roll. Did it not is, know though. the Iggy Bowie connection at all because I am dumb. Hmm. I had never really? realized that until now. Oh yeah, yeah. That Bowie saw Iggy, and then he was just like, "This is." This is the future, have you, have man. You seen, have you seen uh, like Velvet Goldmine? Velvet Goldmine? Yeah. No, I haven't. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like, it's, it's a very, like, it's basically that. But he yeah. basically yeah. saved Iggy a bit from himself. And Lou. Yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, he, he, we, we, as much as people want to say, oh, Bowie, it's Bowie's fault for neutering this, it's also the... Bowie... It, it, is it, the reason it exists. It wouldn't have been released the yeah. way it was. Like, the, the... Uh, it, Bowie's the reason. It, Bowie salvaged it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People forget about Bowie playing saxophone and <laughs> mixing boards. <laughs> He's great. Yeah. Oh yeah. Get get Bowie in your in your production room. Uh, yeah. uh, but actually, give him something to work with, not uh, not a botched recording <laughs> done by a drug-addled Iggy Pop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was cited. The album was quote far too radical for the corporate rock sensibilities of radio in 1973 as a result it only charted for three weeks on the top 200 peaking at number 183 uh the group continued to tour for about a year but columbia dropped their contract uh the stooges were also dumped by main man uh tony defries lost patience with the band after the large sum of money he advanced them was spent on drugs Stooges broke up February 1974 after spending time in a drug-fueled stupor in L.A. and later rehabbed at the UCLA uh, Neuropsychiatric Institute. Pop rejoined Bowie's entourage and emerged as a radio as a solo artist in 1976. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize. I knew that the other two Stooges albums were credited as Stooges, and this one was credited as Iggy and the Stooges. But I didn't realize that there actually was a clean break in between those names. Stooges broke up after Funhouse, and Iggy went solo, and with uh, with uh, and then he he recruited James Williamson to play guitar, and he tried to recruit another 
rhythm section in London and nothing was working out. So he ended up just calling the Ashton brothers back, flew them over. Uh, obviously, uh, Ron Ashton moved to bass. But hey, you got the Stooges there. But you can't just call the Stooges because the Stooges broke up and Iggy's going solo. Iggy and the Stooges is a yeah. nice, obvious compromise. Yeah, yeah, that was good too. Also, the guitar work on this is awesome. Oh, it's fantastic. It's so James I, Williamson deserves more credit than he gets. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, this... Is James Williamson... When I think of the Stooges... I would imagine it's that ghoul I back there. Is he dressed up as a mime? Uh-oh. <laughs> on the back I, cover? I think he's a Dracula. James? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. Also, the, the the street walking cheetah, the obviously yeah. on the back oh, of the man. cover. It's so cool. <laughs> so cool. What's your favorite song on this, Birch? I'm I. There's. It's impossible to pick yeah. one. I would say Death Trip. I love it's my favorite song. First two for me: Search and Destroy, Right into Gimme Danger. Yeah, yeah. same. Would agree. It, it's hard to pull away from Search and Destroy. Like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's, I mean, the power trio of your pretty face going to hell into penetration into raw power, like the whole there's thing. A, there's a side flip in between that. I know, but still, the whole album. The whole just, album. Just play the whole album. Mm-hmm. This is just. That's so it's good. not even that long. Like you can, it, you really could do it very easily. Yeah, it's like what, the, thirty something minutes. Thirty four. It's minutes. gonna yeah. be over before this conversation is. <laughs> yes, I, yeah. I love it. Uh, a plus for me, Birch. Thank I was gonna you for say, asking. I think everybody's on the. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah we're, oh yeah. We're all oh yeah. With you, Rob. Yeah. Also check out the documentary uh, "Gimme Danger" by Jim Jarmusch. Is this proto punk or is this punk? This is punk rock to me. This is punk is this rock. This is, not... is this the first non proto punk album? Uh, yes, for me it is. Okay. Me Where per- does death come into that? A little bit later. Okay. Yeah. Also Detroit. Yeah, yeah. I could double check, but I, so I, it's I safe to so. say that when punk started in Detroit. I would what, say so. Is yeah, is what we're claiming right now. Yeah, yeah that, that's probably. I, I think mean, that's technically what I want. London, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> but that, that's kind of what I'm claiming. I Death mean, is 71. Well, oh. Stooges are 69. Well, yeah, so yeah, but but this album, no, no, no that that first Death record still gets the. Uh, what's the album? What's the what's the date of that the first release? Death album? Uh, 73. Yeah. And also, Oof. did anyone hear? Well, that's that their. That's no their, one heard no, it. Yeah. No, as as Death, their first album is 75. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Oh. They yeah. were they were Rockfire Funk Express. Man, that fucking record's so good. Yeah, it's, it's really good. good. And we're probably not going to cover it. We will not. I don't know. We'll have to find out. Well, I hope so. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. I was going to mention when I was thinking about this uh, when I was younger, high school, and it was like punk rock. People were like, "Oh yeah, punk rock. This this the Clash." My brother was into the Clash. And then people started saying, okay, well, punk rock is also, like, television. It's, like, Richard Hell. No, they absolutely And, like, all these other bands. And I was like, wait a second. Because I've heard Iggy, I've heard Raw Power before, and that's, like, way more intense and way more aggressive than any of this other stuff, like Mm -hmm. Elvis Costello and, you know... I wouldn't say that. I mean, I wouldn't say that. I maybe, would say maybe like the modern lovers are, but not Elvis Costello. I would say more aggressive than Elvis Costello. Don't get oh, me no, wrong. Oh no, I don't say more aggressive. I would just say like I would say they're punk over like Elvis Costello being punk. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I think television is punk by breaking the rules of punk before they're even written. I, I, I think Minutemen are mm. punk. Minutemen are absolutely. I know they absolutely yeah. are. What but about what about what the I'm, Stranglers? What I'm trying to get at also is yeah. that this album like represented like this this birth of like aggression, mm-hmm. birth of oh, like yeah. simple yeah. songwriting, and it has a lot of those 
characteristics of classical rock, but played double speed and not like, uh, you don't need to have a bridge. You don't need to have like all these other things. It's like just aggressive in your face, the showmanship, the sort of like attitude. People in the day were describing it as metal. Because I know they, they didn't know the word punk. Well, and and metal like evolved into something a bit different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Oh, I mean, well, this sounds nothing like Black Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, its own beast. Yeah. yeah. And thank you, Iggy. Thank, thank you, you for Iggy. thank you, Iggy. The Church of Iggy Pop. <laughs> I'm Jewish, so how dare you? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh wait, one last thing. Hey-o. The Iggy Pop mix. Do you know who he had? Uh, so the, the 1973 mix, he was sitting in the booth next to David Bowie. You know who he was sitting next to for the 1997 Iggy Pop mix? Oops. David Bowie. Bruce Dickinson. Shit. Yeah. All right. Next time we'll be talking about the Isley Brothers 3 ah, plus 3. I love All right. That. Thanks, y'all. Nice. It's six, right? Give me danger, little stranger, and I'll feel your disease. There's nothing in my dream, just some ugly memories. Kiss me.